Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. Different religions that pray, it doesn't mean that they are reaching heaven. They don't reach heaven because of sin. Because for a sinful person to be trying to commune and, with God and pray, it's, there's no communication. The, the line is broken. The line is disconnected. So you must be born again in order, as Jesus said in John chapter 3, first of all, to see the kingdom of heaven. And then secondly, he said to enter the kingdom of heaven. So to enter into communication, because that's what prayer is. Ultimately, that's what prayer is. Prayer is not just a bunch of verbiage, a bunch of ritualistic uh, activity, a bunch of things you say, reading prayers and doing things and saying things. Prayer is communication. Prayer is communication. And each, each type of, you know, each communication, obviously communication, first of all, requires a relationship because you cannot communicate with people you don't have a relationship with. You cannot communicate with people you don't know. Okay, so there has to be a relationship for there to be communication. And then second part of that relationship or communication is that it is a two-way communication. And so prayer is not just about us coming to do a bunch of talking saying a bunch of things. Prayer also involves us hearing. Prayer involves us hearing. Okay, prayer involves us hearing. And God's given us one mouth and two ears. That means we gotta do twice as much listening as we do speaking. So an, an important part of praying involves us getting to the place where we are able to hear God, okay? So the first thing that has to be taken out of the way is sin, because sin puts a wall, puts a barrier, puts, you know, brings a disconnect, a separation, because that's what death is. To be spiritually dead means to be spiritually separated, because death never means an end. Death means a separation, right? So when you're spiritually dead, when someone is spiritually dead, that means they are separated from God. But when someone becomes born again, then now they become alive. They have passed from death onto life, and they're alive unto God, and their spirits are recreated, and they are reborn, and they are reconnected. And as Jesus said, to be born again means to be born from above, to be born from the Spirit, to be born of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So when you're born of the spirit, now you have a spiritual connection. You have a spiritual relationship with God. So now you can actually start, you can actually enter into that place of prayer. Now, does God hear the prayer of the sinner? Yeah. When, the, when sinner cries out for mercy, when a sinner cries out for God's help, he responds to that. Out of his mercy, he responds to that, right? So the response comes out of his mercy. But for the believer, the response comes out of his grace. Because here's the difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is you not receiving what you deserve. Mercy is God not giving you what you deserve, which is punishment, which is the curse and everything else that comes with it. 
But grace is God giving you all the things that you don't even deserve. So grace is certainly to live out of grace is a, is a better place to live out of. You don't want to be constantly living out of God's mercy where you're just constantly failing and messing things up and crying out for mercy. Amen. You want to live out of grace, the abundance of grace. Those who have received the abundance of grace, Romans 5, 17, and the gift of righteousness shall reign in this life, walk in dominion and victory and power and authority. That's grace. Grace enables you you know, mercy is like God just pulling you out of the pit every time, you know. But grace is living in the place of victory and, and dominion and overflow and, and abundance. Amen. So you want to live out of grace. That's what the New Testament and the blood of Jesus and New Covenant provides is that living out of grace. Amen. <clears throat> Old Testament, they lived out of mercy. That's what when the prophets would come into towns, they would always send out a messenger to go find out. Are you coming in peace or are you coming in, you know, judgment? Are you coming to rebuke and everybody here? Or because they just, they didn't know. They didn't know because they, they didn't live out of grace. They lived out of mercy. And that's why the, 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 um, the, the Ark of the Covenant was referred to as the mercy seat. And it would only become a mercy seat, not a seat of judgment, but a seat of mercy when the blood was sprinkled seven times over it. So the blood of bulls and goats only brought mercy and a covering. But the blood of Jesus speaks of higher things, speaks of higher things. It's a better covenant that we have, higher covenant with better promises. And the blood of Jesus not only speaks of mercy, but it speaks of grace. Amen. So when we enter into that place, now we can, and our prayer life changes. So you can't just go pray Old Testament prayers. You got to pray New Testament prayers. Amen. When you pray the word, you pray New Testament prayers. I mean, you pray, when you pray the prayers of Paul, those are not Old Testament prayers. Those are New Testament prayers for the new covenant, for the new creature, that, one, that person who has received the righteousness of God in Christ because under the new covenant, we are raised to life. Not only that, we're raised and made to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, made to sit together in a place of authority. And Jesus has given us his name. He says, in my name. You're going to pray in my name. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And you receive it so that your joy may be full. So it's a whole new level of prayer. So, and, and I find a lot of confusion in the modern day church. They're going back to the old covenant. They're trying to go back under the old covenant in their prayers and, 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 and their rituals and trying to go back under the old covenant. We're not under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. Amen. And under the new covenant, we have powerful weapons. And prayer is a powerful weapon under the new covenant. We pray. We get to pray in the name of Jesus. We get to use the name of Jesus. He says, in my name, you cast out devils. In my name, you lay hands on the sick and they recover. In my name, you'll take up in your hand, handle serpents, snakes. What does that mean? You have authority to handle demonic spirits and satanic things. They don't handle you. You handle them. Whatever you handle, you have power over. Amen. When you sit in your car, you handle the steering wheel. You put your hands on it. Now you have authority over that thing. You can steer it. It'll go where you want it to go. Amen. So that's what it means to take up serpents or handle snakes and scorpions and, 
and, and crush them under your feet because now we are praying from a position of authority. We're not praying from a position of defeat, just begging for mercy. I hear Christians, oh God, have mercy, help me. No. We don't pray like, oh, please have mercy, please, I beg you to heal me. No, you don't pray like that. Healing is already yours. You claim it in Jesus' mighty name. I am healed from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet. Sickness and disease has no power and authority over me. I come against you. You foul symptoms. You will not enter my body and you will not wreak havoc in my body and you will not stay in my body. You will not wreak havoc in my mind and my body. Amen. I come against you and I cast you out. I take authority over you and I put you under my feet and I decree and declare that you have no authority over me. I have authority over you and I command you to be thou removed in the mighty name of Jesus and be thou cast into the sea now. And it's done. Okay? You pray from a position of authority in the name of Jesus. Not begging. And, you know, I hear a lot of Christians just begging, begging, always begging. We don't beg God. We are not to beg. We are not to beg. We're not beggars. We are children of the Most High. Amen. We are not beggars. We're not dogs licking the crumbs that fall from the master's table. We are children who are seated at the table because healing is the children's bread. So when we pray, we have to pray in the context of the new covenant. Amen. And I hear some Christians pray, and I know they don't know their covenant. They've, they've taken a little bit of the old covenant. They've taken a little bit of the new covenant. They mix it up together, and they come up with their own covenant. There's a mixture. There's a confusion. Amen. So... The weapon of prayer and the name of Jesus is a weapon. Amen. Prayer is a weapon. And now when we come to New Covenant prayer, New Testament prayer, we are to pray, as Jesus said, in spirit and in truth. Because worship is the highest form of prayer. So when Jesus says, those who worship me, worship the Father under the New Covenant. Because remember, the context was an answer to a question. The woman said, the woman at the well in Samaria said, you Jews say that we should go to Jerusalem because that's where the temple was. That's where all the ritual, all the activity, all the prayers, all the intercessions, everything, all spiritual life under the old covenant revolved around the temple in Jerusalem, right? So the woman said, as a Samaritan, because they were like second-class citizens, you know, Jews looked down on them because they were a mixed, mixed race. It was the old, you know, it, it was when the kingdom was broken in half, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Southern kingdom was basically the tribe of Judah. That's why Judah, Jew, that's where they came from. So you Jews, tribe of Judah, say that we should all go to worship in Jerusalem, right? But the northern kingdom, after the kingdom was divided in two, after, you know, Solomon's fall and the kingdom, you know, being divided, the northern kingdom what was referred to as, as Israel, actually, the remaining kingdoms, they mixed with all the other nations and they took the idols and they intermarried and everything. So that's what the Samaritans were. So Samaritans were looked down by the Jews. And here's a Samaritan woman who's had five husbands and now the man he's, she's with is not even her husband and she's drawing water from this well in this well in Samaria. And Jesus is there speaking to this woman saying, if you knew who I am, you'd ask for living water. So Jesus, the evangelist, see, he stood in all fivefold ministry offices, apostle, the greatest one sent on a mission from heaven, came in as an apostle from heaven down to the earth, 
you know, the prophet, of course, and then Jesus, the evangelist, of course, Jesus, the pastor, the good shepherd, and Jesus, the, the teacher, the rabbi. But here, Jesus, the, 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 the evangelist, is at the well, winning, reaching out to this, this lost soul, this sinner, this woman, in mercy, and, and, and then talking about how she can go from a place of mercy to a place of grace. And she says, well, you Jews say that we should go down and worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, woman, an hour is coming, and it's even here now. Hallelujah. <laughs> You're not going to have to go to some temple. You're not going to go to some building made by the hands of man. You're not going to have to go, amen, to some priest that stands as an intercessor, as a mediator of, which was under the old covenant, but now you're about to step into a new covenant with anyone, even Samaritans, even Samaritans and anyone of any nation all over the world will be able to worship the Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth. So here are the two foundations of our prayer life, in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Any prayer that is not in spirit and in truth is a waste of time. You can pray till the, you know, you can pray all day long. You can pray for hours and you can pray for days and nights and whatever, you know. But it's not going to benefit you. Amen. So any prayer that's not founded on in spirit and in truth. So how do we pray in spirit? Well, wonderful. That's a good question. How do we pray in the spirit? Well, you pray in the spirit. You get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You begin to pray in the spirit. Praying in tongues is praying in the spirit. That's why we come. We pray in the spirit. We pray in tongues. And then we pray with the understanding. How do you pray with the understanding? When you know the truth, you can pray with the understanding. If you don't know the truth, you need to pray in the spirit. Amen. Now, in Romans chapter 8, you go to verse 26. So, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid, amplified, and bears us up in our weakness. Now, what is our weakness? Well, we're about to find out. So don't, don't stop reading the verse there. People take that out of kind of, see, we're just all so weak. We just got to beg God in weakness. No, no, read the rest of it. Look at what it says. It, it tells us, let the Bible interpret itself. Don't add private interpretation. Peter says, the Holy Scriptures are not open to private interpretation. So don't try to add your private religious interpretation. Read the rest of the verse and find out what the weakness is. Here's the weakness. For we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. Why? Because we don't see everything. We don't understand everything. We don't know everything. We see through a glass dimly. We prophesy in part. We know in part. We don't know everything. Amen. Even personally, some of the situations you're going through, you don't know. As we're praying over all these people, I mean, I mean, there's about at least 20, 30 people represented here on these. We don't know everything about these people's lives. We, some of them, we just know their names. Some of them, we just, you know, we don't even have an email or a phone number for this one. <laughs> we know the date of birth, born in 89, didn't even give a phone number. So, you know, some of them, we have a little bit more information. That's only natural information that's given. So we only have information that they gave us. And some of them, they wrote prayer requests, you know, and a few things like that. That's about all we know. We don't know. But the Holy Ghost knows everything. 
Spirit of God knows everything. That's why we got to pray in the Spirit and intercede in the Spirit. So here's what it says. For we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought to. So that's our weakness. We don't know. We're limited in information. But, look at that. But the Spirit himself, but the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf. Or says intercedes. That's what it is. That's what intercession is. Pleading on behalf of others. Making supplication and requests on behalf of others. Standing in the gap. Intercession means standing in it. Becoming the bridge. Becoming the connection of communication. Because they, they're not praying. Most people are there. They're not praying. So we're praying for them. We are standing in the gap. Becoming the bridge of communication between them and God and trying to bring them, reconcile them to God and, and making the connection, the communication and communicating to God to get involved in their lives. That's what intercession is. Making supplication and pleading in our behalf or on behalf of others with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. What does that mean? I mean, man, you know, you... Uh, I felt it. How many of you felt it? As we were praying, I mean, Orlando felt it. I felt, I felt, man, I felt, I felt such a burden for those people. Who felt that as we were praying? I felt such a compassion and a burden for those people. I couldn't let it go. I was, we were about to, you know, just do the thing, pray. But we're not, we don't come here to pray out a ritual. Okay, it's time to pray. And it's just that time of the prayer meeting. We just pray that, you know, just the same thing, same old, same. No. We really need to pray in the spirit. Connect with the Holy Ghost. And then he started to get some words. I got a few words, some others, you know, and then we prayed in tongues because we don't know what we ought to pray. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. He helps us as we pray in the spirit, praying in the, in the spiritual language, unknown tongues, which is a gift of the spirit. When you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking other tongues, it's released in you as a prayer language. Amen. And that prayer language has a private use and a public use. The public use is for interpretation and message, giving messages like to prophesy and, and to give information and teach and knowledge and whatever to, to, for public use. But the private use, first of all, is tongues for prayer, your prayer tongues, and tongues for intercession. That's the private use. That does not need an interpretation. Okay, because that is not publicly giving a message to someone or to a group of people or, 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 or ministering in a, in a public ministry setting. It's just a private use for personal edification to meet our supplication and pleading on our behalf. So that's you interceding first and foremost, the Holy Spirit praying through you, interceding for you. And then it's the unspeakable yearnings and groanings that are sometimes too deep for even utterance. Because you don't even know what to utter. So you just pray in the spirit. Look at verse 27. And he, who's he? Who's he? Who's he? Holy Spirit. What does he do? He searches the hearts of man. And knows. Knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit. So he searches the hearts of man. Of course he knows. He knows what the mind of the spirit is. 
right? And he searches the hearts of man, so he knows everything. Everything is exposed. Everything is out in the open to the Holy Spirit. There's nothing hidden to the Holy Spirit. There's nothing hidden to the Holy Spirit. There's nothing hidden to the Holy Spirit. He knows everything. But because he's a perfect gentleman and because, because he's the spirit of grace, spirit of love, spirit of healing, spirit of, you know, peace and joy, everything he does, whatever information he has, he uses it for benefit, for healing, to be a blessing. So he's, it's not like he's going to try to expose everyone to embarrass them. Some people think that, you know, Holy Ghost is just going to expose them to embarrass them. No. If Holy Spirit brings something to the light, it's to help you. Amen. And sometimes it happens. It happens in, in church, people sitting. I, I just dealt with that recently. Somebody came and said, who told you things about me? I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, the stuff you said in your message today was like, like, like you knew things about me. I said, I don't, what's your name, sir? He told me his name. I don't know you. Said, I just met you. But the Holy Spirit knows things about you. And I believe the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and bringing some things to the light. So you got a choice. You can either get offended and get upset or whatever, go hide somewhere or go find a church where you won't be convicted because the Holy, Spirit, Holy Ghost isn't going to speak. Or just say, you know what? Okay, I'm just going to let God do a work in me and change me and, and whatever, right? Has that ever happened to anybody? Huh? Like you felt like the preacher knew things about you? Yeah. It's because the Holy Spirit searches the hearts of men and women. He knows everything and he knows what's in the mind of the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. Everything the Holy Spirit will, will do. Listen now. Holy Spirit will never say or do anything that does not line up with the perfect will of God. So whatever the Holy Spirit's doing, you can trust Him because it's perfect. You can either, listen, you can either lean on to your own understanding, which the Bible tells us not to, or you can trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and lean not on to your own understanding. Trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit. We need to trust the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it is. You know what? Uh, and I think it's just a, a religious thing and it's a demonic thing that, you know, uh, the, the devil really has brought an offense to the Holy Spirit in the church to where people think that the Holy Spirit is just going to do some, some weird things and then, and then it's going to be hurtful. Holy, if the Holy Spirit moves in a meeting, when the Holy, I trust the Holy Spirit to move in a meeting. See, some preachers don't trust the Holy Spirit. I've come to the conclusion. A lot of preachers and pastors, they don't trust the Holy Spirit. They try to control him and they try to put him down and they try to take him out or they try to put him in some back room somewhere. I, I trust the Holy Spirit. I absolutely, 100% trust the Holy Spirit. That if I stand here and say, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and do whatever you want to do and have your way in this place. I have absolutely no fear that anything bad is going to happen. I trust the Holy Spirit. First of all, I trust Him with my life. I trust Him with my wife, my daughter, my family. And I trust Him with the church. If we don't trust the Holy Spirit, which a lot of people don't, and they try to control everything, that's a problem. And we have a church culture that's been built around that now, where people don't trust the Holy Spirit. 
preachers and pastors. They don't trust the Holy Spirit. They think that the Holy Spirit is going to offend people. The only, listen, the only people that the Holy Spirit is going to offend will be the religious people. But people that are broken, people that have needs, man, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to touch them. He's going to help them. He's going to bless them. He's going to encourage them. He's going to heal them. Amen. See, the good Samaritan poured in the oil and the wine when he found the man that was broken and beaten on the side of the road. The only people who were not interested in that man that was broken and beaten and bruised on the side of the road were the religious people. They passed on the other side, turning up their noses. That's the, that's a, that's the religious spirit. That's the spirit of arrogance and pride. But when people are broken, Holy Spirit comes. And he touches them and he, and he heals them and, and he blesses them. and Hallelujah. And it's going to be good. Somebody said, what is he doing? I don't know. I trust the Holy Spirit. I don't have to know everything. I'm not going to meddle in the Holy Spirit's business. Let him do what he knows to do best. Amen. Why? Because he intercedes in our behalf for the perfect will of God. In behalf of the saints according to and in harmony in harmony with God's will. When the Holy Spirit moves, it's in perfect harmony of God's will. So wait, if we don't want him to move, that, we, that means we don't trust God's will. And then what we're doing is we're trusting in our own understanding. We have replaced human reasoning and human will in the place of the will of God. We've got entire ministries and churches built around that philosophy where the Holy Spirit is not even trusted, can't move, can't have his way. I have no problem with the Holy Spirit moving because I trust him. I trust him. We need to trust the Holy Spirit. We need to trust the Holy Spirit. And look at what it says. Verse 28. And we are assured... And know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things, somebody say all things. All means? All. All things work together and are fitting into a plan for good. All things work together and are fitting into a plan for good. To and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. Why? We know and we are assured and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Who are called according to his purpose. Everything's going to fit. Everything's going to fit. Everything's going to fit. So, praying in the spirit, interceding in the spirit. perfect will of God so that's why praying in tongues is so good you know why because not you you're not getting your mind involved you're just praying in the spirit and the spirit of God is praying through you and it's it's sometimes it's better that you don't know what you're praying 
Because if you did, you'd probably mess it up. You'd probably put your own mixture into it and it won't become perfect anymore. It'll become mixed. Or you, will not, you may not even agree. If, if the Holy Spirit told you something right now, there's some, there's some things that you, you may shock you and you may have a hard time agreeing. Because he knows. And, 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 but you will come into agreement. You may not agree now, but as you pray, you'll be changed and you'll agree. And then you'll realize and you'll agree that it's the best for you. Amen. Hallelujah. So, praying in the Spirit, like Jesus said, those who worship in spirit and in truth. Well, Paul says, I'll pray with the understanding and I'll pray with the Spirit. Right? 1 Corinthians 14. So what does that mean? I'll pray with the understanding. Well, if I know the truth, now I can pray with the understanding. Why? Because my mind has been renewed by the truth and I can pray based on God's word. Right? Now, my mind is renewed by the word concerning healing. So when I pray for people, I pray according to the word. Now I've, I've, and I've heard other people pray who ha, whose minds have not been renewed by the word of God concerning truth of healing. And they'll pray like this. Oh, God, if it be thy will. I know God's will. It's God's will to heal all. So I'm not going to pray if, I'm going to pray because if is not faith. If is doubt. I don't pray if, that's doubt. Right? Not if, if it be thy will. I know his will. Because I know 1 Peter 2.24. Right? By his stripes we were healed. Right? I know that he took our diseases, carried away, carried away our infirmities. Right? I know that healing is the children's bread. So I pray accordingly. And I know that he says lay hands on the sick and they may. No. They will recover. If is they may. Faith is they will. So you have to pray in faith. In the name of Jesus, be healed now. That's it. That's how you pray. I come against sickness, disease. I break this off of you now in the name of Jesus. And I decree and I release God's healing power into you in the name of Jesus. I lay my hands on you. I call you healed from the top of your head down to the soles of your feet. And I thank you, Lord. It is done. This man is healed in Jesus' name. That's how you pray. That's faith. That's faith. And, that, and that's a confidence. And that there's an assurance there's a, there's a conviction and there's, a, there's an exactness, right? Because why? I know the truth, right? But there are other things concerning the will of God I don't know. Now, healing I know. But then, sometimes you pray for people, they don't get healed. Does that mean it's because it's not God's will to heal? No. There may be something getting in the way. So now I pray in tongues. As I'm praying in tongues, there was a man that came to me. I uh, sharing that in from uh, that um, in, uh, I think I was was I sharing was I sharing about the the man with the carpet uh, father that was in, in the Bible school oh yeah I was praying for this man in Turkey in in in, in and then um and then as I'm standing there 
He's just kind of staring at me. And the Lord gave me a word. As I'm, and I started praying in tongues. I said, you have a disagreement with your father over a carpet. Now you may think, what's, a, what's with a carpet? Well, I mean, some carpets are very expensive. Some carpets in Middle East, heirloom carpets could be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. I said, you've had a disagreement with your father. That was a word of knowledge. The Holy Ghost showed me something about him. I said, do you have a disagreement with your father? You've been offended and you've been estranged from your father. You guys, you've not been speaking to one another over a carpet. He says, how did you know? I said, the Holy Spirit just showed me. He says, yes. I said, you're offended. You're angry with your father. You have not forgiven him. He said, yes. That's why when I lay hands on you, you're not receiving your healing. And he was in bondage to alcohol, cigarettes, anger rage and he he came up to be baptized with the holy spirit but i laid hands on him. it was like laying hands on a wall it's like laying hands on a refrigerator i felt the anointing go and come right back to me it was like you know it was like it's a total blockage he couldn't receive just standing there and i said because you've been offended you're offended with your father you're bitter you're angry and you have you've been estranged you have been because over a carpet he says yes how did you I said, the holy spirit just showed me he said how did you know that i said Word of knowledge. I was praying in tongues and I got the revelation. He says, that is true. I said, you need to forgive your father right now. He said, I can't forgive him. He's just a bad man. You need to forgive him right now. You're a Christian. You need to forgive your father. So let me help you. And I led him in a prayer of repentance and the forgiveness. And, he, and then he broke down weeping. He just broke down. He just started weeping. And God just melted his heart. And then next thing I know... He's boom, the power of God hit him. He's on the floor, shaking under the anointing. And then he got healed him. He got delivered from alcoholism. He got delivered from smoking cigarettes, bondage to cigarettes. And he got baptized. The Holy Spirit started, Spirit started speaking in tongues. And that man became a pastor. That man became a pastor. So, um, you know, when, when somebody doesn't re receive, it doesn't mean that it's not God's will to heal them. It just means they're not able to receive because there's something hindering, some blockage. And now you're coming into an unknown territory. So now you need the Holy Spirit's help. The one who searches the hearts of man. And Holy Spirit came and he searched his heart and showed me that there's an offense and bitterness with his father over a carpet. They got into an argument over some carpet. I never, I never asked anything about the carpet because the carpet is insignificant. It's the offense and the bitterness that's the problem. Who cares about the carpet? God cares about the heart, not the carpet. But it was over a carpet issue. So, um, so when you get into that, now you got to pray in, in tongues and ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And the more you pray in tongues, the more revelation you get about yourself, about the situations and, and, and the... And the people that you're going to be in contact with to minister, to intercede. Whatever God shows you about other people is not for you to go gossip about. Go tell others about. It is for you to help people. The motivation always has to be love. Everything has to flow out of love and compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed the sick. He didn't do it to show them how powerful he is to prove himself. He had nothing to prove. So you always have to come from a point, uh, you have to always come from a point of, I have nothing to prove. I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. I'm not trying to prove my ministry. I'm not trying to prove this, prove that, prove whatever. I just want to love on people. 
And you'll find that people that walk in love will carry a great anointing. But people that walk in this, in this place of trying to prove themselves to other people and, and trying to uh, build this big ministry, they won't last very long. So the motivation always has to be love because we, we want to help people. The Holy Spirit wants to help. Because why? Because why? Because he intercedes and pleads before God on behalf of the saints according to and in harmony Everyone say harmony with God's will. And when you walk in love, you're in harmony with God's will. You're in the same frequency as God. When you walk in love. But when you walk in pride, you're exact opposite. In the opposite spirit of God. When you walk in arrogance, exact opposite spirit of God. Because God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Amen. Is this helping anybody here tonight? Okay. All right. So pray in tongues. Pray in tongues is powerful. It's a weapon. Pray in the name of Jesus. Pray the word. Pray the word of God. And I'll give you one more to close out tonight. Wow. Um, time flies when you're having fun, right? Uh, go with me to um, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Okay, verse 14, amplified. And this is the confidence. What is confidence? Faith. Faith is a confidence. It's an assurance. The assurance, the privilege of boldness. Oh, I like that. So when you have that confidence, that assurance, when you have the spirit of faith, you're going to have that privilege of boldness. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Why? Because the just, the righteous shall live by faith. So faith makes you bold. See, there's a difference between arrogance and, and boldness. Faith in the will of God, in the word of God, in the power of God, in the name of Jesus makes you bold. Okay? The privilege of boldness, which we have in him. What is that? We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, whose will? God's will. In agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. So how did I start this teaching tonight? The heavens are as brass because of your iniquities and transgressions, right? But, so God's not even hearing the prayers of people. They can be crying, chanting, uh, whatever they're doing. This is just bouncing right off of the, the brass heavens. But... This is the confidence and the assurance that we have. Whatever we ask, whatever we request, according to his will, he listens to and hears us. That means it's going straight to the throne. It's going straight to the throne. And if, since we positively know that he listens to us or hears us, Whatever we ask, anything we ask and whatever we ask. But what's the, what's the key here? It has to be according to his will. It can't be your own will. You can't force your own selfish will on God. 
It has to be the will of God. Well, how do you know the will of God? Well, 80, 90% of the will of God is already written. The Bible is the will of God, right? And then there's the other part that's not written, the unknown, personal, specific. How do you get to that? Well, we just found out how we pray the will of God. We intercede in the spirit. We pray in tongues. We're praying the will of God. Amen. Do you know everything that's going to happen next year? No. You don't even know. There's stuff that's going to happen tomorrow you don't even know. But you, you pray in the Spirit, and the Spirit takes you to tomorrow. The Spirit takes you to next year. Why? Because the Spirit doesn't live in time. Hallelujah. Because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. So you can pray into the future when you pray in tongues, in the Spirit. You can pray about things you have no idea about, you don't know about. The power of praying in the Spirit is you, you're praying out of time. You're not now limited in time. So, and if, since we positively know that He listens to us in whatever we ask, anything you ask, whatever you ask, right? Anything you ask, make request, it says 14. And then in 15, it says whatever you ask. We also know with settled and absolute knowledge, that's what, what faith is, settled and absolute knowledge and confidence in your heart. That we have granted as our present possessions the requests made of him. We have whatever we ask granted to us as present possession. Because faith possesses it now. Faith reaches into the future and brings it into the now. Now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the confidence, the assurance. Hallelujah. So, so whatever you ask according to his will, you have confidence that it's done. Now, if you pray something outside of his will, amen? Lord, I just pray that you give me success tomorrow as I go rob a bank. Okay, you know, this is crazy. I had to rebuke a guy one time. He was praying he was praying for somebody else's wife to become his wife. I had to rebuke him. I said, what are you doing, man? You were doing witchcraft. That's witchcraft. That's demonic. Praying for somebody else's marriage to fail so you can have the man's wife. Are you kidding me? That's not completely against the words. Thou shalt not covet another man's wife. What are you? People can get crazy. You had to rebuke somebody like that? Oh, you want to punch him in the flesh, but then you had to rebuke him in the spirit. Okay. But I mean, whatever. I mean, and pe people covet this. There's people that covet a pulpit. You can't covet another man's pulpit. Oh, yeah, you better be careful. You're, you're treading on grounds you have no business treading, and, and you'll get yourself in more trouble than anything else. Or, or, or if you covet a ministry that God hasn't given to you. Better be careful. I feel like I want to be a prophet. I'm going to go to the school of the prophets, be trained as a prophet. You ain't nothing. You're a non-prophet. God hasn't called you and anointed you. You have no business trying to do that. Well, I, feel, I think it might be a good idea to open up a church and become a pastor. Maybe I'll call myself bishop. Whatever. Who cares? Call yourself whatever you want. Call yourself an astronaut. Doesn't mean you go into space. 
<laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Amen. So you have to stay in the will of God because the will of God is also boundaries. And some people, they don't want boundaries, so they're going to do whatever their flesh feels like doing, and they, it's self-will. Ooh, you're now getting really demonic because you know how Satan fell, the five self-wills. I will exalt myself above, you know, I'll, I will sit on the throne of God. I'll exalt myself above the mountain of God. I'll exalt myself above all the angels. I'll, you know, so that's self-will, and so you got to be careful. But when you know his will, which means you got to get in the word, pray. Pray the word, pray the scriptures, pray Paul's prayers, pray the promises in the word, confess the word, speaking the word. I was talking about confessing the word is, is our biggest weapon. That was how I started, remember? And then praise is another weapon. So confess the word of God because it's the double-edged sword. That's a weapon. Take the word and speak it, confess it. Hallelujah. Okay? And that's the will of God. And so confessing the word is actually prayer. And praying the word and praying the promises. So personalize them. Okay? Put your name in there. Okay? So, I mean, I'll just give you like a couple of examples. So how do you do that? Because, I mean, sometimes I tell, I say this and people don't necessarily practically know how to do it. But, I mean, I'll just go to the most basic scripture. 1 Peter 2.24. For he personally bore Corey's sins in his own body on the tree as on an altar and offered himself on it. That Corey might die, cease to exist to sin, and live to righteousness. By his wounds, Corey have been healed. You understand me? And I say, I. He personally bore my sins. You know, by his stripes, wounds, I have been healed. So personalize the scripture and confess it. Confess it. Amen. And there's so many more promises like that. So take the word, confess it, speak it, use it as a weapon, and make it a prayer. Amen. Not just, don't just send thoughts and prayers. I'm sending you thoughts and prayers. This is the stupidest, dumbest, most religious nonsense ever. TNP. Is that toilet paper? It's about as good as it, that, that is. I'll just send you my thoughts and prayers. <laughs> what a bunch of hogwash. Pray for Paris. And all they just do is just put, you know, pray for New York. They're not praying. They're just putting a little thing on their Facebook page. They wouldn't even know how to pray. People are so religious. And useless. You're going to pray. Pray with power. Pray with authority. Pray in tongues. Pray the word. Amen. And then you'll get results. Actually, the Bible guarantees it. it says, Whatever you ask and anything you ask according to his will, he'll give it to you. That's 100% guaranteed results. That's awesome, isn't it? So, if you want to pray the kind of prayers that get results, pray his word, pray according to his will, and pray in tongues. So the more time you spend praying in tongues, the more of the will of God you're praying for your life and for others interceding. And sometimes, you know, you'll just wake up in the middle of the night, you'll feel such a burden, and somebody might 
popping your spirit and your heart, and you just pray in tongues over them until you feel the breakthrough and the peace, and then go right back to bed. Amen. Well, I'll lose sleep. No, you won't. You'll actually wake up more refreshed. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.